Hello everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of James T Podcast, where we spin the James spill the tea, and today we're coming at you with another review bonanza, where Riley and I review a bunch of records in quick succession in a sort of speed run to get out our thoughts, because we have been a little bit inconsistent recently about releasing episodes. Sorry, life is hard, but we have missed a lot of significant things that we do want to talk about. So we've got a good collection of records that we have all kinds of thoughts on. What are we going to be talking about first? Yes. So and before we get into that, just to acknowledge that we did this a couple of uh, months ago and we're probably going to keep doing it maybe every two or three months. I find it's a really good sort of low stakes way to catch up on records without feeling the need to like commit, you know, here's a full video on these two albums. We can sometimes just catch up mm-hmm. on things that we've missed that are interesting and maybe for things we don't have a whole lot to talk about, give ourselves a kind of short form way of doing that so yeah all of the records that we're going to talk about today I-, I think are interesting albums they're not all records that we love but we do think or at least i think these are all records that when i look back on 2023 these are going to be some of the most interesting records of the year these are going to be some of the albums that stand out as maybe some of the most sure. unique and worth hearing just to see where you fall on them basically and in some cases, they're just albums that need a little bit more exposure than they're getting. And that's certainly true, I think, of the first album we're going to talk about today, which is from uh, English dream pop, Baroque pop band, The Clientel. Their new album, I Am Not There Anymore. Now, you might have heard of The Clientel. They released a series of extremely beloved, sort of ancillary beautiful cold dream pop albums in the early 2000s records like suburban lights strange geometry and they have been uh around they've stuck around for a while they had a bit of a hiatus uh between 2009's bonfires on the heath and their last album music for the age of miracles but they're back with this new record i'm not there anymore and this was getting a little bit of buzz from some critics that i followed around the time that it came out in july but overwhelmingly I just did not see people talking about this. I didn't really see people acknowledging this. And when I heard the album, that really stood out to me even more as an injustice, because this is one of the most intricate, beautiful, and frankly, rewarding chamber pop records of the whole year. This album struck me with its unique approach, its colorful flavor, and especially its diverse array of applications of the clientele's aesthetic compared to their early work which is what i was more familiar with that i was like okay this record deserves more attention and in fact i've gone from thinking the record is an interesting curiosity that does a lot of admirable things to more or less being at the point where i think this is genuinely just a great album front to back a really long record it does push over the hour mark and it does have a lot of shorter interstitial moments that create a kind of tapestry quality to the flow of the record that they're not all going to work for you but my god if this isn't just a resplendent gorgeous experience with some absolutely astonishing highs jake what do you think Well, earlier this year, when we talked about our favorite compilation albums, one of my favorites, if not just my very favorite, is uh, Suburban Light by The Clientele, which, I mean, its status as a compilation is a bit kind of topsy-turvy just because of the way record structuring and the single releases and silly stuff. But regardless, I am an immense fan of Suburban Light. And I was like, I knew this was coming out, but I had no idea what to expect to do it from it as like a late period clientele album, just because I'm I'm not more familiar with their recent stuff. 
so I was interested, but I think what, again, put me off initially from listening to it as soon as it came out was the 63-minute runtime. And I was genuinely surprised with how fantastic this album is. I think that, if anything, if you want to listen to this record or you want to gauge whether or not this is worth listening to, you have to listen to the intro track. The first song on here, Fables of the Silver Link, is one of the best songs this band have ever made. And it's like bizarrely ambitious for this band too that really the, the, the clientele are a great band because they rely on a more modest occasionally lo-fi sound that really evokes that kind of bleary british winter like a lot of dream pop is typically associated with warmer tones whereas the clientele are very different and as a result they suit a very different emotional purpose than a lot of their contemporaries do which is why i appreciate them so much but this on the other hand is a lot more lively than I was yeah. anticipating. Like the Baroque elements of their sound have always been there, sure. This on the other hand has way more ideas instrumentally that are more colorful, more standout. The structure of this opening track here is kind of bananas, honestly. Like it, again, it's a bizarrely ambitious track that still manages to work as a great clientele song. And in something that I did not expect to uh, come away from this album thinking is that those interstitial moments, those shorter songs on here that are basically bits of like modern classical ephemera that kind of stitch everything together. I kind of love them. Like, again, they're not like substantive or anything. They're not going to like blow you away like the core tracks on here are going to. But they decorate this with a sense of personality that I feel like would be missing if they weren't on here that I really do dig the vibe of. And it helps that them segueing in between all of the solid, you know, core clientele songs, those songs are just all universally very, very good. Like the, the first song on here is far and away my favorite song on here, but not the only thing worth hearing. I actually think that like the back half of this staggers some really great songs. Uh, like uh, I Dreamed of You Maria in the back half. Stems of Anise is great. Chalk Flowers, I think is fucking gorgeous. Like violins and stringed instruments on here playing a really prominent role as instrumental accents that I just think are gorgeous. Where this album gets to simultaneously have its cake and eat it too of being like, this appeals to me in the exact same way that albums like Suburban Light and Strange Geometry do. But it sounds distinct enough to be a mature refinement of their sound that I just really get a lot out of like I know it's longer and I know that like this band are not exactly in a lot of people's sights right now but the clientele is a band where I feel like them being kind of languid and kind of long-winded just works for the atmosphere that they go for like put this on in the middle of the night or like you know go for a walk in the just on a cloudy day or something and I promise there's nothing that's gonna hit quite like this yeah, if you've if you've not engaged with the clientele very much, or if you've only engaged with their early music as well, you might have a certain expectation from this based on that. I mean, for, well, but for starters, Alistair McLean's voice is very distinctive, and it's immediately mm -hmm. recognizable that you know this is the same guy who's singing these songs because you just could, he has this like John Lennon quality to his voice where he actually sounds yeah, like John Lennon, yeah. but he also has the same kind of thing where he commands attention, but at the same time feels very comforting. Uh, it lulls you and, and and puts you in this really, really pleasant place. He's just got this beautiful tone to his voice. 
but yeah, weird that earlier clientele music does sound very wintry. And partly that's because of this sort of fuzzed out aesthetic that it has. This feels very like springtime. Like and we're actually coming into spring now where I am. And this record is really well suited to that particular changing of the season because it does feel like, you know, the light kind of finally coming through and the snow melting and things kind of just livening up again. There's just such a, a sense of joie de vivre in this album, which I would never have expected for the clientele. And then, of course, this being the clientele and Alistair McLean writing the way that he does, that joie de vivre in the sound does belie a really melancholy reflection on childhood and growing up and being in this kind of very disconnected place. Uh, thematically, I was reminded a little bit of the PJ Harvey album earlier this year, just in the style of writing. Obviously, that's a very sort of old Englishy style, but the underlying themes that sort of oh. the particular way that that record looks at coming of age through a very slanted lens, uh, I was reminded of that a little bit with this record as well. But yeah, just that that very lively string instrumentation just adds this immediacy to it that makes it so enveloping. You're, I echo everything you say about that opening track. It is incredible. The first time I heard that, I was just I was completely struck. I had to run that shit back and listen to it again. But I also love songs like Lady Grey as well, which I think is a great example of how well the string instrumentation is composed to be the hook of the songs that I remember I can remember and I can get that passage in that song that comes in in the chorus stuck in my head really really easily it's beautiful mm -hmm. and you know the one record I was reminded of the most while listening to this there are some noticeably big differences but the thing that I kept being like the, the record I keep thinking of the most and the one I would recommend um to you Jake if you want to hear something that's kind of like this or has the same sort of spirit as this is um prefab sprouts I troll the megahertz uh, which is a very late era Ooh, prefab okay. sprout album very different yeah. to their sophistapop stuff in the sense that it's not sophistapop at all it is like gorgeously arranged pillowy strings over this kind of um these meditative largely instrumental reflections on mortality and dying and you know memories disconnected memories it's a really haunting and beautiful album and you know the big the big 20 minute song on that record uses um spoken word in a very similar way that a lot of the interstitial tracks on this record do as well and the feeling is is ultimately uh, very similar so yeah, I, I I love this album. It's very much flown under the radar. Uh, we're starting in a place of total unification uh, because this album is definitely one of the ones we'd recommend jointly the most. So check this one out mm -hmm. if you haven't already. It's a really special record. Next, let's move into uh, an album that I think is, and I like doing this sometimes. I like having uh, a bit of whiplash when we do this because we're moving from an album that we pretty fundamentally agree on to one that i know that we are basically as divided or as uh in as much disagreement as we will get today uh which is an album from a band called geese uh it's an album called 3d country uh this was a record that was um I can't actually remember how it was put onto my radar as well, but I know that suddenly a lot of people were talking about it and they were talking about it as a record that offers a different sort of spin on the increasing presence of, I suppose, heartlandy country-esque 
uh, aesthetics into sort of art rock music, basically. You know, we've had a, an influx of bands in the last few years that have tried to, you know, reignite or reinvigorate post-punk and art rock by kind of injecting it with new life, new aesthetics, new sounds. And so Geese, uh, which is a Brooklyn-based band, it's just so funny to me because the first time I heard this record, I I was like almost certain they couldn't be American, but they are. It is kind of surprising to learn that, actually. Yeah, they they feel so like either British or Australian or, or somewhere in between there. But um, this is a really unique album. The, the particular style that this record has, the particular sound, the approach to art punk that this record has, and the very idiosyncratic vocal style that it adopts as well is going to be not for everyone, as we're about to demonstrate. But it is certainly striking. And for reasons I'll get into, I adore it. And it's interesting because, and I I feel like you might bring up certain reference points or certain bands that we've talked about in the past where this kind of in your face and sort of self-aware and postmodern mix of styles like this has maybe not landed for us as well. But I find myself really, really taken with this. And I'll, I'll I'll reserve my thoughts a little bit because I want to hear from you, Jake. I know this has not landed with you, but I want to hear what your experience was with this album because I kind of thrust it on you a little bit. And I did do that knowing that there you, you might hate this or, you know, I, I wasn't sure what your reaction would be essentially, but I wanted you to experience it because I wanted to get your perspective on this particular approach to the weird genre fusion this album is going for well lead off i definitely don't hate it and that's that's kind of part of why it's so frustrating while listening to this i was inundated with like this almost internal third person sense of like i completely understand why somebody would love this like completely and i felt such a disconnect from that third person because this album makes some choices and i want to circle back to the vocal presence i will say it gets easier as the album goes along particularly because the vocals are probably a little bit more versatile in terms of their employment than the first couple of songs lead you to believe. But let me just say that when I first listened to this <laughs> and I heard the first two songs, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to hate this. And rest assured, I did not feel that way about the entire album, but on specifically songs like the opener uh 2122 and 3d country i can only describe the vocals on here as sounding like a cartoon parody of scott stapp like it's <laughs> it is just striking is certainly one word i would call it bludgeoning and i don't even necessarily mean that in like an awful way it's just that if you hear this guy's voice and you're immediately just like nope uh-uh this is going to be a rough, bumpy ride for you because it's not the last time that those vocals show up. Again, there are songs on here like Undoer or Tomorrow's Crusades that they kind of come back a little bit. And I won't lie, regardless of what the song itself is doing, it's so front and center 
it is very difficult to distract myself from it. That being said, there are many admirable things about this record. First of all, I, I think one of the coolest things about it is the overriding influence of metal on this that I didn't really expect just by like the tags that this had and the way it was described. Like there are moments where this gets properly pretty fucking heavy. And I was kind of like, I was taken off guard by these moments. And for the most part, I think they actually work. They're pretty satisfying. They're interesting. They're always decorations and accents. They're never really like present sonic elements, but I still appreciated them nonetheless. Uh, and there are songs that do kind of get on better footing with me. Uh, for example, uh, the song Cowboy Nudes, much better than a song called Cowboy Nudes should probably be. I see myself, same thing. The unquestionable highlight of this album, which again, it doesn't bowl me over like I think I would want it to, but I feel like if you listen to this album, you have to listen to it for Gravity Blues. Uh, a genuinely great song. Ambitious, soaring. This is like this music at its most satisfying. And if you can get on with it, I think that this album will do just that is that like everything here has such an impact everything on here hits you like a sledgehammer and as to whether or not that'll be a good thing that remains to be seen but again if it, you get along with it like i could just the southern rock vibe of this is like art punk leonard skinner and like there is something that's like very primal and base about that where i'm just kind of like there are some songs on here where i'm just like yeah yeah, this kind of fucking just, it just kind of goes. And then there are other moments where it feels like these songs are just solely constructed out of disparate details where I'm like, I can see why you can find this like really creative and engaging, but I'm just like, I have no leg to stand on here. What the fuck's happening? And occasionally that's a bit too disorienting for the fundamental nuts and bolts experience that I feel like this maybe should steer more towards at least to appeal to me more. Yeah, I, I get that. There is like a a weird, like paradoxical space this album exists in. It's like this it's this thing where it's like it takes this sort of southern rock style and situates it in this like incredibly futuristic space. It's kind of got a Kurt Vonnegut yeah. sort of thing going on in that respect. Yeah. And I yeah. love I love the way that is realized here. I love the kind of weird sense of of wrongness that you get from hearing this particular style with this particular aesthetic and produced in this particular way and then with this just incredibly commanding vocal presence at the center of it um your enthusiasm for gravity blues as a highlight and as a standout and as a song to go to the album for is what i would direct to the song i see myself which is one of my favorite songs of the year that the raw just like i see myself in you of this that 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 hook has been just completely it's a big fucking hook <laughs> my brain ever since i heard this record and i'm just just blown away like, i'm surprised how much i like this like every time i listen to this i'm just like fuck this hits it just really hits the spot for me and um the the continued dynamism but also just the energy that this album brings one of the big reasons why i think it works is they just do not let up on that commitment and on that intensity like this is a an album of bangers like even the ballads go hard which is really what i'm mm -hmm. talking about when i talk about i see myself because that's kind of a ballad but it's just a one you just scream 
Um, and, and and just individual moments that stand out to me as well, like on Mysterious Love, that some people are alone forever, some people are alone forever. <laughs> I'm just completely yelling that shit. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's something that's so unabashedly and unashamedly itself and so in your face about all of that. Yeah, it is going to maybe not land for some people. But in that sense, I think it is one of the most commanding albums that has come out this year, full stop. It is just an album that knows what it yeah. wants to be, that realizes its aesthetic without a moment's hesitation that it's just, it will stand up, I think, as one of the most distinctive albums of the year in that respect. But I I, I, I sound like I'm, I'm offering sort of guarded and non-committal praise, but believe me, I fucking love this i think that it just completely lands it uh, one of my favorite albums we're going to be talking about today next thing i want to talk about speaking of albums that are in your face and speaking of albums that have ended up really resonating with me although this in a much more predictable fashion uh i want to talk about the new album from the armed perfect saviors now the armed in case you weren't aware are a hardcore collective in fact, there's a lot of weird lore surrounding this band, and you wouldn't know that that a lot about them if you just knew them from this album because it's actually very different to their previous records. They were so they're Michi- they're Detroit, Michigan based, and for a lot of their early era through the mid 2010s and records like Untitled and Only Love, they kind of cultivated this weird anonymity. And they're kind of really shitposty and they would do all these cuts of publicity stunts and they would like present themselves with pseudonyms and they would do really weird interviews and, and they would kind of just basically play pranks on music journalists and cultivate a weird mm-hmm. identity around that. There was a long running theory that they were a fake band that was constructed by Kurt Ballou, who actually played and recorded everything on all of their albums, which is my favorite uh, band conspiracy theory in a hot minute. Uh, I don't think, I think he actually has produced records for them before, but I, that, but we have since come to learn that this is a band of real people that is not just Kurt Ballou uh, pretending to be seven other people, which, you know, would be amazing. Uh, <laughs> we, we actually reviewed the last album from The Arms, uh, 2021's Ultra Pop, which I wrote pretty hard in the paint for. Uh, I, I think that record is is really again it's what you might more expect from how they were initially presented in the sense that it's a kind of really post-modern post-hardcore album just really in your face really over the top ridiculously blown out and just total chaos basically and they've kind of pivoted with this new record i mean and i think in a savvy way too because that sort of really crazy far out blown out hardcore thing they were doing could really only get you so far and what they've done is i'm sure they didn't do this just for me but maybe they did is that they've they've pivoted into the most riley core direction possible which is that they have pivoted into an they've dropped almost all of the hardcore and they've pivoted instead into this weird amalgam of like late, mid to late 2000s indie, where it's like all of these different things that so many indie rock bands were doing in the 2000s, like all this weird blown out dance stuff, all this acidy psychedelic shit, all this hard edged like 
it's actually a really difficult album to describe. The singer sounds like Julian Casablancas of the Strokes, and so ultimately the voids ends up feeling like an obvious reference point. But really, it's just like it's like it's it's so many different things in a blender. It's a bit of Death from Above, nineteen seventy nine, in a blender. Where it's got that kind of you know um, dance punk thing. But it's also got a little bit of Animal Collective if they did a whole lot of coke and were like a nepotist children of millionaires. It has this weird sexual energy to it as well that's really, really difficult to describe. I described it in our group chat as music for evil non-binary rats to plot and scheme to. Uh, it's got like... It's like if Animal Collective did coke and listened to Nine Inch Nails and performed satanic rituals. It's just so weird and so my thing in a way that i just did not expect this band to do like i really enjoyed their last album i love the spirit of it i love the kind of fuck you energy of it but i didn't expect them to kind of throw away so much of what they had built on and make a new kind of chaos that really resonates with me and i think a big part of it is that they really lean into their talent with great grooves and their talent with great sort of energetic presence and rhythm and their ability to take these harder edged rougher aesthetics and really kind of turn them into this frantic brilliant you know crazy industrial dance music it's just a again like like with the geese album but in a totally totally different way it's so idiosyncratic that it's not going to be for everyone but it's also just so commanding and the best moments are so just really satisfying that it just gets under your skin i have more to say about it but i want to throw to you at this point jake because i kind of threw you in the deep end a little bit with this as well um what do you think of this weird ass album from this weird ass band of all of the albums that we're talking about in this video, I think I listened to this album the most this week because very memorably, uh, you were quite frustrated with everyone on the podcast's inability to get into either of the albums that we covered the week we covered the last Armed album. And I I was definitely the second most on board with that record of everyone else, but I, I couldn't help but feel as though its commitment was also its kind of undoing, and that it was like, I just don't know how to reconcile the fact that this band and what they are doing with this ultra heavy compression is also what keeps me from loving it. And but that's also what's special about that album. And I'm just like, I don't know, fucking like I enjoy it, but like I could enjoy it more. But that also means that I would probably think that it's less unique. But like, whatever. It was it was phenomenally frustrating, too, just because I remember the first song on that album gives you a, a very distinct idea of what you think that album's going to be. And then the rest of the album is basically nothing like it. And unfortunately, I kind of feel exactly the same way about this album, but for like totally different reasons. For example, uh, the first song on here is Sportive Measure. Uh, I, I mean, there's no better way to say it than I just think this song just kind of kicks fucking ass. Like it has lots of things about it that are really abrasive and not for everybody. But like, again, the thing I like most about this album that does push it over into me being in the green for it is it's dancier. Like this kind of weird, arty, hardcore sound melded into something that makes you want to move. 
this is exactly what this band should be doing, at least in my opinion. I know that their whole persona is that they're all, you know, antagonistic and fuck you, we're going to do whatever we want. But like, if I had to be like, hey, uh, if I had any sway in the direction of this band, doing this weirdly specific thing kicks ass, nobody's doing it, and I like it when you really lean into it. Uh, same thing about uh, the other song on here that I really love, which is Everything's Glitter, uh, which again, is just a total fucking barn burner of a track. The thing that gets me off about this record that I just, I could never find myself getting on board with it, which is nuts to me, because if you go back through all of our reviews for new albums, I am easily the person on this podcast who is willing to meet an album halfway when it's like ultra fucking compressed. Like that, the last Armed album was a notable exception for me of being a sticking point. Like whenever compression is a sticking point, I'm usually pro in that camp and nobody else is. And the thing about this is that there's always one element of these songs that is incongruous to something else, and it's infuriating. <laughs> I remember saying about the last Armed album that was like, this is one of the most frustrating albums I've ever reviewed on here. And this is frustrating in the exact same way. And that it's like on one song, the instrumentation is so blown out and compressed. It sounds kind of gray and I can't get anything out of the murkiness, but the vocals sound really nice. And I really, you know, get along with that Julian Casablanca-esque kind of vibe that they're going for, except really aggro. And then on another song, the vocals will be super fucking compressed and gray and I don't really get into what they're doing. But then the instrumentation is this bright, explosive, gaudy, shit that's just real fucking awesome and these two things rarely ever align in ways that i feel like complement the experience to me and it makes particularly the back half of this so fucking frustrating i love a lot of the spirit i love a lot of the sound it's just again there's so many albums i listened to this week where it's just like on the one hand there's this and on the other hand there's this and in the middle it's and this is maybe the epitome of that. Yeah, I look and I and I get it. I, I I really do. For me, it's like the peering back of the sheer, you know, in your face hardcore of their previous records allows them, I think, to showcase the strength of their ability to write and perform amazing grooves really, really well. And then on the and then complementing that with this infusion of this weird psychedelic dance approach just adds so much color and so much life to the music that I feel like really makes it just deliver on the promise of this band beautifully it is a little bit of an inconsistent record there are some moments where it doesn't really work and there are certainly some moments where i think the hook writing and the songwriting is so strong that it leaves some parts around it wanting but for the most part i'm just so on board i think everything that i love about this record is so beautifully encapsulated by the first song they released uh, in advance of it which is the song sport of form it's like the most sort of schizophrenic song on the album in a certain sense. And that it's just like 500 Julian Baker's on it. Julian Baker comes in on the climax of this track. It's like, it starts out with that blown out bass hit and these kind of echoey vocals. And it just kind of iterates through these different passages of, of intense, raw indie kid neurosis and then it has it's like if Mersbau covered animal collective 
And then it has the most cathartic outro of maybe any song I've heard this year to the extent that I was put I had this song on repeat as a single so much. I, I was stunned by this song and it still sits right in the middle of this record as one of the most just sort of expectation defying things they've ever done. Um, and then the other highlights are much easier to enjoy or much easier to describe the appeal of. Songs like Everything's Glitter, songs like FKA World, songs like Liar 2, those are basically just all the other singles, have incredibly satisfying grooves and great hooks. I really love the song Burned Mind as well, and Vatican Under yeah. Construction. And the most distinct and unusual song on this record, the closing track, Public Grieving. Public Grieving, yeah. this incredible, like, art, pop, jazz fusion-inflected rhythmic thing going on that's just totally unlike the rest of the album and feels like the band leveling up in a way that didn't you wouldn't even, like, predict. There's totally so unlike any album. You will not hear a song like this ever again. It's just... <laughs> It blows me away every time I put this record on. And the the beautiful thing about it for me is that as I've adjusted to and gotten over the shock of what the album does and the weird places it goes to, that has not worn off the joy of the record or, you know, the joy of the record doesn't just come from the shock and surprise of it. It comes from when that wears off, how much fun it keeps being, how just absolutely ridiculously body moving this thing is, how much I groove to it, how much I just get a wicked smile on my face, especially from that run of songs from everything's glitter, burned mind, sport of form, patient mind, like those four songs in a row. And then getting to liar two at the back and with that kind of <laughs> ah, that incredible hook that song has with that serrated synth. It's just Riley in a nutshell. Like this album has my energy baked into it in terms of the sense on here is some real flatlander shit frankly yeah yeah absolutely there's a little bit of that in there too it's just one of my favorite things about this band as well if you if is if i enc strongly encourage you to look up a band photo of them because they are the most like it's like if black country <laughs> road were jocks instead of nerds like everyone in this band is fucking ripped like everyone in this band fucking works <laughs> out like you, you, they're fucking like no one skip leg day. They're cartoonishly muscular, and it's just like it's so funny <laughs> just to see like never before is there a band that where you feel like these motherfuckers are hitting the gym to to be able to do what they do musically. You know, like there's just such a fucking ridiculousness to them, and I'm completely won over by it. Moving on to the next day I want to talk about, and this is another one. This is one where I'm particularly annoyed we didn't get a chance to really highlight this proper in a jams and tea, you know, main review slot because it's an artist that we've consistently mm. rode for. Uh, one of our most glowing collective reviews was for this artist's last album. I'm talking about Genesis Owusu, the Australian polymath the massively talented very singular force of nature that he is his new album struggler the follow-up to the brilliant sensational smiling with no teeth um jake i know that you are fully writing for this album why don't you tell us a little bit about how this record delivers coming off the back of that last album and what's so great about it 
Smiling with no teeth is the rare instance of an artist coming onto the scene with very, very little precedent and just saying, okay, here's what I'm all about and doing like 800 different genres and styles and doing them all excellently. Like that's an album that just holds up so incredibly well. It's got hip hop. It's got some more like industrial moments on there. There's also like smooth soul on there, like song about fishing and Genesis as a presence is an incredibly compelling lyricist. Like he knows how to have like this rhythmic impact with his words when he's rapping, but also when he's singing, he has a gorgeous voice. And he basically got to take advantage of and showcase all of his strengths on that album be like, here you go. And just casually drops this masterpiece in everybody's lap. And that's an album that like I was, you know, super into when it came out and has only grown on me in retrospect. So obviously I was really looking forward to see how he would follow it up and just to see what he would do because he's such a multifaceted artist. It's just like, what is even like, like where, where do you even go from here? There's a lot of possibilities there. And he just sort of picks a lane, focuses himself, makes the package more concise, doesn't dilute anything that's special about him, and manages to make a an end product that feels like it's less a overall showcase of like general talent and artistry and more feels like a definitive statement. And that's what Struggler is to me. And good. God, I fucking love this album. Um, I, I have been listening to this nonstop as soon as it came out, just because once he dropped the single Stay Blessed, I heard that and I was like, I, I can feel it. This is going to be something special. And then I listened to it the night it dropped. And man, let me tell you, every time I got a moment alone in the hallway, in the freezer where I work or something, I was like, just this is the most fun I have had with an album all year. Because... While everything here is significantly more narrowed and concise and focused than Smiling With No Teeth was, there is still a lot happening on this album. Throughout this entire thing, you get a blend of dance punk, of synth punk. I mean, there is kind of a post-punky edge to this. There's lots of smooth and neo-soul, and it's all kind of wrapped in the sort of like hip-hop packaging and that I could kind of call it a hip-hop album but it's also not really the rhythms here are just locked into place Genesis rides every single one of these with such confidence lyricism all over this thing I feel like is super thoughtful and matches the ambition that he went for before because not only is that album a very like you know wide array of sounds and genres and styles it was all anchored by the fact that Genesis was talking about issues that plagued him very personally embodied by the central metaphor of the black dog uh, and on here he takes on a new animal metaphor the very kafka-esque roach the idea that he keeps coming back to uh where actually it's a pretty linear concept album about the idea of being this small bug on the run from god himself and in every song it's just sort of him in the battle for his own soul against the idea of mainly that of apathy to the world around him. And I feel like he's able to, in a very short, tight, 38 minute long package, explore this idea and then eventually bring everything center stage in this album's final moment, the song Stuck to the Fan, which this album, for the most part, again, is this very heavy, rhythmically driven 
thing that will occasionally break away from that just to, you know, give it a little bit more breathing room as an album with the more smooth soul moments. But Stuck to the Fan, oh my God, this, this album has a handful of some of my favorite songs of the year, but this one might very well be my favorite. It is an absolutely gorgeous piece of soul music that is almost overwhelmingly emotional. And again, it, it really cements where he finds himself at the end of acceptance of that which is inevitable around him. This whole album is like, you know, it's called The Struggler. It's the idea that all of Genesis' problems now that he's moved on from Smiling With No Teeth, a lot of them are mostly self-imposed. And once he's able to relent and accept that, the idea of being stuck to the fan and the fan being kind of circular, a lot of Genesis metaphors on here are really clever. They're really sharp. There's uh, another thing uh, that I love about it. Uh, Stay Blessed, for example, the single uh, kind of carries over a theme from the previous album of taking a phrase that's commonly used by people that's pithy or just like the, you know, stay blessed. It's like the I don't see color from Smiling With No Teeth, where he takes a phrase and kind of elaborates and makes an ironic twist on that. And I love that about a lot of the writing on here. And then there are just moments where one of my favorite songs on here, Freak Boy, every single part of this song is a hook. Every line is a hook. Every instrumental idea is a hook. And he hammers that shit and it fucking rules. I cannot tell you how many times I've been walking around work, not even listening to this album where I'm just like, if ignorance is bliss, then I'm trying to stay blissful. I know you wanna, I know you wanna. Oh man, it's like, Everything in here is just designed to be like this little kernel in your brain that just stays there. The the bass lines on here, the most consistently amazing bass work on any album this year. This is like Thundercat shit, one after another, especially on the song, which I mean, fucking That's Life a Swamp is a Thundercat song. He sounds exactly like him. It is uncanny hell there are a lot of moments on here that actually sound like they could feasibly be produced by flying lotus but then again it pulls back and there are the soulful moments like see you there for example the second half of that's life which is a really kind of structurally ambitious song uh or even the end of what comes will come which the first half of which really driving really central and then the second half just opens up and envelops and it's just every single idea on this album feels like it is full of magnificent details the Jimi hendrix guitars that are watery and all over this the synth lines that are just so big and crunchy and satisfying everything about the way this album sounds the way this album moves it's just the ideal sophomore album from a promising artist for me i'm impressed by the writing i'm impressed by the sound and another thing that i think is just an interesting tangent as to how this kind of parallels another one of my favorite releases this year, which is the new Eve Toomer album, in that I think that there is a lot of similarity between these two records, not just in sound, which they do kind of flirt with same kind of synth and dance punk and post-punk ideas, but specifically in the thematics and how both of these artists are directly opposing themselves to the idea of God. And on the uh, on the Eve Toomer album, that is Eve Toomer against God, fighting and overcoming and ultimately consuming God. And Genesis here is running from God. He is like, it's intimidating him. It's it's like, it's this ever-present force, this anxiety that eventually he has to relent to and accept. And I find the similarities and differences of how these two artists tackle this to be really interesting. And for as many similarities as they have, they have twice as many differences. So 
I adore it to the moon and back. I have been playing it nonstop and I will be playing it nonstop. In terms of like soul and funk albums, I cannot remember the last time one captivated me like this does. There's a really interesting idea to the metaphorical approach of the cockroach on this album. I mean, you highlighted as well how on the previous record there, there was that recurring motif in terms of an animal metaphor of the dog, of the black dog, all of the different things that that can mean, the, the cultural connotations that that phrase has, the different ways that can be explored. Uh, and in a, using the metaphor of the cockroach in this record is a way into a really interesting idea, which is what is the relationship with God of the most hated or despised or lowly creature like like if god is a if god is real and if god is a force and if god is the creative force of the universe what does it how, how does that reflect on a creature that is regarded as the most despicable the most lowly the most you know uh unredeemable essentially what how does that reflect you know if if a creature exists and is viewed in that way and seems to occupy this you know, useless space. How does that then reflect back on God and what kind of relationship exists there? And obviously the way that the cockroach is explored metaphorically as a reflection of the minority experience is something that, you know, is obviously really, really close to Genesis as someone who has both roots in Australia and Ghana as well. Someone who can speak to the experience of the minority in a country that is particularly in a country like Australia, that's not especially welcoming or doesn't have a great history of treatment of minority groups as well. So obviously there's a dynamic that already from that setup is promised with this album. And that is where a lot of the most satisfying meat comes, I think, is from that idea and the way that Genesis explores it. And again, one of the other great pleasures of that last album was just how satisfying it was to hear this kind of full band sound, like a funk rock band that you could, where you could just kind of, not to sound boomery here, but where you could really hear all the people in the room playing the instruments, where you could really feel the weight of that. It was tactile. Emotion, you know, and then there was a production approach as well that really let you feel like, feel like it was a kind of thing that was happening in the room. And that is something that's a little bit more... The approach is different to the to the sound of this record. There's less room to breathe on this record. It's more constricted. For sure. It's more, you know, the air is sort of sucked out into this record. It's much more rigid. And that, I think, is part of the way that it approximates or that it invokes sounds of, of um, you know, musical movements like dance punk or synth punk or, or whatever you want to label it. Uh, but it is an aspect of the record that both provides the setting for its most you know compelling and and immersive and in your face moments and also kind of in a weird way holds me back from being able to fully connect to all of its musical ideas uh that is to say i'm not as in love with this album as i maybe wanted to be and that did leave me initially as well in a, in a place of feeling really a little bit jaded with myself like why don't i love this as much as the previous album and it's just that that dryness 
doesn't always land for me and sometimes detracts from the power of these songs, some of which can feel like they contain really, really interesting ideas, but don't ultimately amount to much. Songs like The Rope, songs like Balthazar, uh, songs like uh, Unfortunately For Me, Stuck To The Fan, which after hearing your oh. very effusive praise definitely makes me want to go back and, and reconsider that. And I think that, that that's really emphasized for me just because of how fleshed out and surprising and dynamic and multifaceted so many of the songs on that previous record are that it is a, a a comparison that hurts it for me a little bit here that said though there's a there are definitely great songs here there are definitely great full realizations of the ideas and themes that genesis is invoking here i think it opens really strong with leaving the light which is just such a great mixture of that kind of funky groovy thing with this sort of synthetic electronic style that Leave melds the, the two worlds really really great really really well my favorite song on the record is absolutely tied up which is just like so <laughs> good this is the one moment that for me reaches the same heights as the previous record for me. The groove is just incredible. The hook is unrelenting. It's just completely in your head and in your face the whole time. It's an impossible. If you hear this and you don't immediately want to go fucking strutting down the street, like your big shit, then you're not listening correctly. Cause this song just puts that feeling in you straight away. While of course, at the same time, having the complexity of being about, and a very claustrophobic and very kind of frustrating feeling you know it's a neurosis that manifests into a funky catharsis and it's just really satisfying i love that you know freak boy is in a similar place for me as well with that what i love about the fact that genesis has so many different influences is that with the band he has and with the instrumentation he's able to bring to it you get to see that in a really fulsome way on that last record and that really comes through in a song like that's life too which is another standout for me too i love the Rhodes piano mm -hmm. and this song it sounds fucking gorgeous it's the herbie hancock of it all for me like mm -hmm. that's just mm -hmm delicious and beautiful and again you've talked about the presence of the bass that's a huge part of how genesis builds foundations <laughs> and he leaves the bass and a really heavy and present part in his songs and that is obviously a part of the impact of the music as well but yeah uh i do, i do like some of the more restrained moments a lot like see you there i think is a gorgeous song i just absolutely beautiful. love but yeah the whole thing does leave me feeling a little bit torn because the 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 best songs are fantastic and the conceptual core of it is a really quite eloquent and thorny, but I'd say very beautiful, like furtherance of the ideas of the previous record in a new way. So yeah, I, I fully applaud that. I, I wish I loved the entirety of it. I wish I loved it as a whole. I wish that songs like The Roach and The Old Man and Balthazar and oh, the Roach, Balthazar, those are moments that uh, took time to grow on me as much as the other proper stuff here. Though, uh, I will say, just as uh, closing thoughts here, on Stay Blessed, the moment that noise rock guitar that sounds like he just plucked it 
right off of the powers that be by death grips. Like as soon as that comes in, I could punch a hole in a train. Like like every time that happens, it is the hypest shit in the world. Like every time I've needed like a little boost of just like, I need something to just like a, a little spike of adrenaline. I need that. And the one thing that you touched on in terms of like the core metaphor and the sort of like themes of the record that really like, I think makes everything feel like really circular and well-designed is that it's the, I, the ultimate conclusion that he comes to of like just general like acceptance of the inevitable what is the purpose of, of this lowly being this this tiny little despised creature like a cockroach and god you would inherently be like this this high magnificent creator of all it's like the complete antithetical to one another but at the end of the day even though they are like their existence is totally opposed one created the other and the roach is something that can survive basically anything and that's the solace that Genesis finds in. And I find that perspective to be really interesting. 100%. Like it's this idea of what does it mean to struggle and what does it mean to survive? And do we need to maybe reconsider how we apply ideas of giving up or of, or of uh, you know, because like the idea of if, if you exist within a persecuted group and you choose not to struggle against that for the sake of your own survival, you know, what does that mean and, and how and, and how are you treated? And there's some really interesting ideas about how you cope with struggle and how you mm-hmm. shoot the things you do in making the choice to survive that suggests some difficult questions. And I appreciate that aspect of, of what Genesis is doing thematically. Let's move on to arguably the biggest artist we're going to talk about today, just in terms of general popularity and, and people's awareness. An artist I've actually been wanting to talk about on the show in some capacity for a while. Not because I'm a fan, although I would say that I do like this artist's music. And I actually think in general, in terms of how people think of them, I, I just think their talent is underappreciated. And a lot of what's really, really interesting about them is maybe glossed over in the general discourse or the way they're considered in terms of, I don't know, pop music history. But I want to talk about this new album from Hozier, uh, Irish singer-songwriter, uh, who's just released his thirst, his thirst, his third album, Unreal Unearth. Uh, this follows 2019's Wasteland Baby, which itself follows 2014's self-titled record, which launched Hozier's career with the massive single Take Me to Church, which you know, even if you don't know that you know it, that song was just enormous. And ever since then, I, I'm fa- I find myself fascinated by Hozier. And part of this comes from the fact that my ex-partner is a huge fan of Hozier, so I just had a lot of exposure to him and I came to understand and know a lot more about him than I would have otherwise. But he's a fascinating artist. As I mentioned, he's an Irish singer-songwriter, and his Irish heritage and the cultural context of Ireland informs his writing a lot. He, I mean, right back to Take Me to Church as well, I mean, which is a song that kind of sneaks in some pretty ruthless commentary on, on homophobia and treatment of minorities into what was largely perceived as a fairly bland pop soul song. He's always been the kind of artist who his writing has a little bit more depth to it than people initially realize. However, I think it doesn't quite have the level of depth to it that some of his most ardent fans would have you to believe. So it's really, you've got, I've got, I feel like I've got to be careful when I'm talking about Hozier because I think Hozier is a really interesting artist and a good writer who is simultaneously 
his talent is underappreciated by people who don't really listen to him but maybe overappreciated by the people that really really ride for him and I, I don't mean to say if you love hosier and think he's one of the greatest that you're wrong i just feel like you know he's a, he's a a moderately talented guy who makes quite good music and at times makes great music but some people who aren't really into him think he's kind of stupid and people who are really really into him i think maybe kind of hold him up a little bit too loftily so i want to kind of just talk about him and talk about this new record which i think and again having an ex-partner who was a huge hosier fan i have heard the last two hosier albums a lot i know those records really well this is his best album i i don't think by a huge margin because i think his first album is just like kind of a stealthily great like a a surprisingly well-rounded sort of pop soul album that has a lot of like just heart and soul baked into it and hosier is the kind of artist who gets a lot of mileage out of his power as a vocal performer but also you know the writing and the songs have a little bit more going on under the hood that sometimes i think the flashiness of his vocal performance can even obscure a little bit it's it's tough you know anyway all this to say hosier's new album i think is a great way to kind of get into him i think if you're only familiar with take me to church because musically i think it's his most accomplished album it has a lot more versatility and variety in what it offers while at the same time delivering what you would expect from the guy who wrote take me to church nine years later basically this basically sounds like that there's a wider array of influences on this record than i would say on his previous records as well which can be fairly boilerplate whereas here he's he's drawing from a wider range of, of sort of classic rock staples as well as modern folk luminaries like fleet foxes there's a whole range of of things that hosier draws from and then there's the whole conceptual aspect of this record where it's inspired by dante's inferno and it's a song cycle inspired by the nine circles of hell motif from that book uh, I'm not super familiar with Dante's Inferno, but I'm reliably informed by people who are that this is a very detailed and and literate and multifaceted work that integrates references from that work in a way that is more than just surface level. So I'll take that on face value. But I, I do find it to be a really compelling and really powerful record for the most part, like hosier's previous two records uh it is a little bit too long it does outstay its welcome a little bit too much and it does i think falter in the moments where hosier is most drawn back to the kind of template he came from like there are moments on this record where i think hosier variates from this sort of basic you know anthemic big boom pop soul you know vocal pyrotechnics thing and offers a little bit more versatility and composition that really showcases why people love him so much. I think songs like Francesca, I think songs like I Carry On, I think songs like Who We Are, uh, songs like Abstract, uh, songs like uh, First Light, the closer on here as well, give you a really kind of well-rounded sense of what Hozier is capable of as both a musician and a writer. Um, I also think that the uh, 
uh, collaboration with Brandy Carlisle. Damage gets done is a really nice sidestep for him as well. It, it veers from the pop soul thing a little bit to do a bit more of a sort of straightforward collaborative thing. I really like it, even though the main guitar motif is literally just um, that opening guitar motif from Everybody Wants to Rule the World Except Pitch Down. <laughs> I find it really funny how it's exactly the same. Uh, but it's a good song. It's a really good song. It really stands out. I think there are moments where in the bombast and the booming, you know, uh, hosier of it all, it can feel a little bit, I, j I guess, bogged down. And that's really songs like uh, Eat You're Young. It's an album that has a lot of really great examples of, of hosier realizing his potential. But also it feels like he's holding back in certain ways as well. It's an album that's very interesting conceptually and has a lot of really moving moments. Like I almost shed a tear in the song Abstract, which is about this vivid experience he had watching someone try to save an animal that had been killed on the highway and just sort of dra dragging it to, to the side of the road, knowing that it was dying, but just doing that as an act of kindness. And there's a he tells that in a really moving way on that song. And he has a vocal performance that just genuinely blindsided me by how much it got me in the feels in the feels so to speak and this song's like who we are and all things end and i already mentioned francesca as well i just think he those are moments where the power of his voice really does lend to the emotional content of his writing whereas in the weaker moments it can feel like the power of his voice is kind of all there is um and maybe even overwhelms or dilutes the writing it's ugh, i wish i was in a more unequivocal positive place with this because there's so much this album does that i think man this is the best hosier has sounded just the the musical depth of it is such a step in a positive direction for hosier that uh ultimately even though i'm not fully in love with it i have to give it a, a strong recommendation i have to say that you know it is one of these albums where i start to understand a little bit more the hype around the artist um jake what are your thoughts is this being again another album where i'm just like we should talk about this and you're just like okay uh what are you what are you what's what did you think of take me to church before you even heard this by the way uh my thoughts on take me to church are i work retail yeah okay, i hate that song that's fair <laughs> um it, it's not it's not really because of any like distinct thing it's just like i'm just fucking tired of hearing that goddamn song there's nothing really about it it's just like the the big kind of pompous vocal performance of just like no thanks i'm done with this uh after you hear it 400 times it just becomes unbearable but that didn't mean that i was predisposed to like dislike hosier or anything but my my response to what you had to say about this is um yes I struggle to say much meaningful about this record, honestly, because I, I, I am pulled in like 80 different directions when listening to it. Because on the one hand, it's like he opens the record by this like really like, again, the Fleet Foxes influence actually was something I felt on here an awful lot. Uh, this sort of like mixture of folk pop and just sort of pop soul and it's like half of it's sung in gaelic and it's just like you get the impression immediately that this dude has a better sense of scope and scale and just like a, a more interesting conceptual bent than like 90 percent of other pop artists and i appreciate that a lot and it results in a sound that is like overridingly 
pleasant and good and like the the best thing about this album for me other than like again the writing which i think is like pretty uniformly very strong throughout the whole thing uh really evocative really like again it, it's fascinating how many like bases this actually manages to cover and i actually did catch on to the dante's inferno references but i didn't know that it was like I, I didn't know that that was like what it was directly connected to like i saw you know like a song like butchered tongue and i was like oh okay i know what he's evoking here but like again interesting little descent spiral whatever you've got here but at the same time like that's that's sort of the key is what you said is that it's it's his vocal performances are too good <laughs> like they're like he's he's great singer great singing voice i enjoy like and not to mention a very versatile vocalist as well it's like he's not great in like the exact same way on every single song he varies it up a lot i think a lot of it is that like there are moments on here that like like you said that the and a lot of people are saying like the standout song on here is Francesca and I think again the vocals and writing on here is really strong and the production is like like way like it just puts everything but his voice in the background and it just really fails to animate me and a lot of this album does that is that there are moments where i feel like things really do stand out uh my favorite thing on here probably being all things end like i really love the kind of choral swell that happens at the end of this song like this is one of the few moments where it actually does really animate me emotionally whereas on, on the rest of the album it's just like again i'm listening to this you know very well performed vocalist and it feels like the instrumentation is well composed thoughtful why can't i hear it as well as i'm hearing your voice mr hosier sir and that is just an overriding thing of like it's kind of like the armed album honestly is that the problem i kept having with it is the like one very key pronounced element of the song will be super strong and everything else around it sounds like wallpaper and i'm like why these things are good why don't you push them forward and then when that happens for an hour man the second half of this like... <laughs> yeah look fair enough I, I i can't hold it against you I, I i again it's definitely a thing where i i enjoy this more than you do and especially as someone who's listened to hosier a lot and really gotten a sense of of his progression this is a really satisfying album because so many of the things where I was like, I wish he would do this, or I wish he would fill his sound out in this way, or I wish he wouldn't have his songs produced like that. All of those are addressed here. And it's a, it's a song where mm. the things that work best for him and the things that support his powerhouse vocal and his writing style so well are largely found here. It's just that it still feels like there's further he can go. It still feels like there's a, a further gap he can bridge to make it feel more immediate from moment to moment. And I do think that's where the length of the record does start to let it down a little bit, but Oh, look, overall, I wanted to talk about this just because, you know, even though I'm not as passionate about it as I would want to be, and certainly not as Hosier's fans are, I just wanted to say, I think this is his best album. I think it's worth hearing. I think that, it's surprisingly emotionally compelling and genuinely deserves to be remembered when we think about albums this year and we think about some of the most conceptually beautiful and ambitious and well-realized records that have come out this year. I think there's a lot to love here and, and 
yeah so i just wanted to i wanted to mention it even though knowing it's very much out of the realm of the stuff we typically enjoy and we do my, my co-worker knows i review music and asked me if i was going to review the new hosier album and i was like uh i mean i guess <laughs> yeah so oh. it's a good so it is a good record and it's worth hearing and and i've already said that let's move on to an album that there's much less need to hear Jared Betts on because we're both pretty unequivocally positive about this. Uh, this is an album. Uh, I've been looking forward to this album so much, so mm-hmm. much. When the first single dropped, I instantly proca- proclaimed it on Twitter as my song of the year. And that has not changed. The album is the new record from Rat Boys, The Window, Rat Boys are an indie rock band. They have been a band I was completely unaware of until critics turned me on to, well, Stephen Hyden, let's be honest, until Steve Hyden turned me on to mm-hmm. the song Black Earth, Wisconsin, which was the lead single for this, just after it dropped much earlier this year, and said, this song is amazing. I threw it on. It was an eight-minute odyssey with a five-minute guitar solo. I was grinning ear to ear the first it, time I've it heard just it. keeps fucking going and you're like oh my god i'm not joking when i say so that it's an, that like 70 percent of this song is its guitar solo and it's crazy you, you spend the whole time going like is are they gonna stop ever and it just keeps going and it never stops being cool yeah but the album and the band and what this is is so much bigger than that this is one of the biggest indie rock triumphs of the year. And it's funny because in contrast to records, I've been extolling the virtues of like the Geese album and the Armed album. It's a triumph through such modest means. You know, this is not even remotely close to reinventing the wheel in any way, shape or form. It is just, you know, right on boilerplate meat and potatoes indie rock, but it is just delivered with such passion and such vigor and just... It, it hits that template so well that you're reminded of why you fucking listened to music in the first place. You're reminded of the kind of classics that made you fall in love in the first place. You know, in that sense, in the kind of elemental simplicity of this, but in how perfectly it executes that template, I'm reminded of records like Expert in a Dying Field from The Beths last year or Blue Rev from Always. Two records I loved that were like, I love these because they do something so simple and so like standard, but they do it so fucking well that it's like, you remember the power of it. And you remember that like innovation quote unquote is not necessary to deliver a truly great record. And that's what this is. I mean, it's an immensely emotional album that I cannot stop listening to. I think the overriding thing I take away from this is that it's like, this album is distinctly for a subset of people and that being people who are like heartbroken that there's probably never going to be a third great grandpa album because like <laughs> no, they, again there is. they're recording i'm pretty sure oh well first of all thank fucking god 
Second of all, if you need something to tide you over in the meantime, uh, here you go. Because this this does that like really crunchy, satisfying grunge pop sound that they do really well. And of course, the lead vocalist does sound a whole lot like the lead vocalist of Great Grandpa. But to me, this does something that Four of Arrows doesn't do because Four of Arrows is a more like I would say it's a bit more of a versatile record. It goes for like there's like lots of different sonic excursions on that album, lots of different things going on. This here, again, it's a bit more nuts and bolts, meat and potatoes kind of stuff. But my God, the consistency is just fucking staggering. Like, I hate to be boring and say that my two favorite songs on here are the singles. But I mean, like, The Window and Black Earth, Wisconsin are just fucking amazing songs. Like, holy shit. Like, again, the 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 incredible eight and a half minutes of Black Earth, Wisconsin, which is just guitar pornography the whole time. And the window is like, again, it's a more tighter, sculpted, refined thing with an absolute powerhouse vocal performance on here. Lots of fantastic hooks kind of just scattered throughout the whole thing. There's never a moment on this album where it feels like the band isn't in sync with one another. Everybody knows exactly what they're doing and exactly when to do it. And it all just feels so damn good, so damn warm. It's a lot like the Wednesday album that we reviewed earlier this year yeah. for me, except this kind of edges out over it, for me personally anyway, just because it's a little bit more uh, consistent. Like I, I kind of had a problem where the, it kind of it fell off for me in the final third a little bit. Whereas here, again, this is 40 some minutes that this band are just they they are so in lockstep with one another it kind of befuddles me that this isn't getting a little bit more pull you know we talked about Hozier immediately before this and now we're talking about easily the least popular band I think that we're going to be talking about in this video right now and that's a damn shame like if you go away from this video like taking away one distinct thing you have to listen to this if, if you're even moderately interested in indie rock I think the one thing that stood out to me the most about other than like all aspects of this just directly appealing to me and what I look for in modern rock music. And it just kind of giving me everything that I wanted. Uh, the lyrical slant here is really interesting. They keep kind of going back to this idea conceptually of the window and just like seeing like life from this fixed perspective and how some of the songs will recontextualize what you're seeing, uh, how you're seeing it, et cetera, et cetera. And it takes a lot of really mundane everyday life ideas and just sort of blows them up into these indie rock explosions and satisfying crescendos that are just Mwah. it's it's a beautiful thing to behold truly yeah i um i'm in a weird position as uh someone who reviews music because the level of enthusiasm i have for this is maybe hard to represent with the complexity of thoughts this album just makes me so fucking happy i cannot fucking tell mm -hmm. you how happy this album makes me pure it joy is of of just unfettered euphoria and yes baked within that there are difficult emotional reckonings uh the title track is specifically about saying goodbye to a dying loved one and and it has this amazing aspect to the writing where it, it seems to kind of meld perspectives between the person who is passing away and the person who is being left behind to the point where you think you're viewing it from one person's perspective from saying goodbye as you leave versus saying goodbye as you are left and it just melds between the two so 
gracefully and almost but also so disorientingly that it makes the grief and it makes the scale and sense of that personal loss feel all the more strong and then it is unified by a vocal performance that completely burns the house down he's so fucking good it's insane that this isn't my favorite song on the record because it is one of the best indie rock songs of the last few years, in my opinion, just in terms of delivering that template, the melodies, the the sound of it feels instantly classic. And on top of that, you have all of that emotional content. So making noise for the ones you love, the opening track on here, I mean, just that mm. <laughs> I can't describe it better than it describes itself. It is such a, a steamrolling, incredible experience to come into it. But then going into Morning Zoo with this beautiful kind of folk instrumentation, this Baroque quality to it, and then into the final kind of just thrashy punk of cross that line, which is just such a left turn. I, I can't... underrated as fuck. This song Ooh, bangs like a motherfucker, man. man. And then going into It's Alive, It's Alive and Empty, those two songs are like two of the record's purest expressions of just sheer fucking joy. Every time I listen Mm -hmm. to these songs, I feel fucking radiated. I feel fucking ecstatic. And I haven't felt that way, you know, in terms of, I don't think I've had a record that's really made me feel that way all year you know i've records that i love and i have records well i suppose the paranormal album but like all the other records that i love that kind of feel bad feel bad records to a certain extent (laughs) we we tend to gravitate towards those releases what can we say and this is just such a repudiation of that i mean even in the Mm -hmm. record's darkest moments with a song like no way which is i think the the darkest it gets musically it ends with this kind of swirling vortex as julia sings there's no way you'll control me again over and over and over again even in this kind of subsumed state there's that sense of reclamation and of self-actualization that's so great and then there's just little moments on the album that just make you feel like these guys are fucking showing off like the fucking there's a part in the song break where there's this guitar line that comes through about halfway in and i swear to god it's like robert fripp-esque fucking tone <laughs> that comes straight off of like brian Eno, another green world like yeah um, like saint elmo's fire robert fripp tone i'm like what the fuck where did you where did that come from how do you just do that I don't want to steamroll you here. I completely fucking forgot about this, but actually my two favorite, my favorite song on here isn't the two singles. It's the fucking closer. How did I not forget about this? This is one of my favorite fucking songs of the year. Holy fucking shit. I can't even really say anything special about this other than like you need to have the album's worth of buildup and context to get to and arrive at that point. But once you do, I promise you, hand to God, it will be one of the most satisfying musical experiences you'll have all year. God damn, it's beautiful absolutely haunting and 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 <laughs> stunning end of the record that has my favorite um lyrical passage on the whole a- album drove to the graveyard where you were not found a nice oh. little, little hill with an empty plot i threw the wheels in reverse so fast lost in the headache didn't look back screaming what's the one thing you love what's the one thing you love oh that's 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 one of my favorite moments in music all year is when she just fucking hollers what's the one thing you love and you're just like i am seeing the light <laughs> yeah 
it's that it's the way she sings that it's the way that she just sings i have i have over and over mm. and over on empty and it's like a moment of just like celebration it doesn't even matter what it is that she has it just matters that she has it and you're just like fuck i have it too i was gonna say i have it too shit <laughs> whatever it is and it's like one of those things where you just take a moment to appreciate whatever it is in your life that is that thing you have it might be something really smaller. It might be your whole world. And you just get to bask in the feeling of what it is like to have that. It's the album yeah. is joyful. It's, 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 and I can't emphasize that enough. It is a bomb. It is a complete, mm -hmm. just soothing experience. And it, uh, I will, it's deeply life affirming. And I think that's kind of why we draw the great grandpa comparisons, not just because it sounds like great grandpa. Cause I mean, yeah, but that's it, at the end of the day, he's kind of facile, but in the same way that like, I kind of walk away affirmed from both records. It just, it feels like they are very like they're tapestries that acknowledge the darkness of being you know a normal person and experiencing things like grief or loss or separation all of those things but then you know just reminds you that it's just like that is not everything that you are it's not all consuming and you know using these sonic templates to do that it could come across as you know standard or whatever but it's again it's the vigor it's the verve it's the fact that everybody in this band feels like they believe what they are saying and what they are communicating with their instruments so fucking thoroughly that you have no choice but to be bowled over by the sentiments of this album yeah absolutely even down to the like just sheer reminiscing nostalgia of a song like i want you fall 2010 where she's literally just like oh. describing specific memories and experiences with one particular person like, i just mm. i get so much comfort out of that i get so much it's an album that feels like basking in the sunlight you know a lot of people have been comparing this to the wednesday album and i definitely see it you know it's girl lead guitar heavy indie rock but to me, they're like so diametrically opposed in terms of like mood and feel and philosophy. Oh, well. for sure. Like yeah. the, the Wednesday album is that that's a record about, you know, going back to your hometown and realizing that you grew up in a place that festers with trauma and just Sucks. kind of breed, breeds, you know, abuse and horribleness. Well, that's the hotelier. And this is always, that's the comparison like point there. It's just like you, the, the, the breadth of the emotion is just so different. Yeah. And, you know, and like I said, there is darkness here. There's acknowledgements of, of the difficulty. There's that, you know, refrain at the end of the longest song on the record does that black earth freak you out. And, um, and yeah, it does, but you forget about it for 40 minutes while this fucking thing is on. So God, this is, yeah, this is the one. Let us know what you thought of any of the albums that we have discussed today. If you agree, mm. if you disagree, you know, some of them were kind of in the middle on as well. So if you feel strongly about, for instance, the Hozier record as well, let us know your thoughts. Let us know why it works. Whatever thoughts you have on any of the records that we've discussed today, I want to hear from you in the comments below. So don't be afraid to hit us up. We love your comments. And Unless we love we're getting dumb or something. I don't know. <laughs> we love getting to continue the conversation. If you enjoyed this, please consider giving it a like and subscribing to the channel if you haven't already. Both those things help us out a lot. If you want to go above and beyond and support us directly, become a member of the Jams and Tea family, get your name and the title crawl of every video on this channel. And 
have your album recommendation go to the top of our listen pile. You can achieve all of those things by hitting the join button for just $1 a month. Until next time, though, folks, rock over London, rock on Chicago, Staples. That was easy.